Good morning, Maple Grove. All right. Hey, I have a few questions as we begin this morning. Do you believe that this book is the Word of God? Do you believe that it is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, able to penetrate, dividing joint and marrow, soul and spirit? Good, you're catching on. And do you believe that this book has the power, do you believe that this book has the power when read, heard, and applied? Do you believe that this book has the power when you read it and you apply it to change your life in real and tangible ways? And now for the all-important question. Are you ready and willing to receive from God whatever word he has for you this morning? And believe what I tell you, God has a word for each of us today. If only we would have ears to hear. Amen? Amen. I told some people this morning that I, I wanted to lock the doors because I thought people, when they hear what I'm talking about, are going to take an extended bathroom break. Like, I don't want to hear this. This is getting too close to home. Sorry. Okay, let's do this. This morning we're continuing in our verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of Matthew, the King and His Kingdom. We'll be unpacking Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37, and a conversation I am calling, Our Words Really Matter a Lot. Before we head there, I want to read some words that Jesus' half-brother James wrote that provide a powerful introduction to the issue that Jesus is addressing in our text. So are you ready? Are you ready to hear and receive God's word today? James chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue, someone say, likewise, the tongue, is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. Someone say, the tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed but mankind, by mankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. Someone say, it is a restless evil. Look at the tongue of the person sitting next to you and say, no, never mind. <laughs> that is a restless evil there in your mouth, right? Don't do that. Full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. God, turn it around. You are faithful. And with it, with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth. Come praise and cursings. My brothers, this should not be. Someone say, this should not be. be. Heavenly Father, we humbly come into your presence. And Father, I, I pray that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear what truth you have for us. God, my confidence today comes not in me, but in your word that is living and active. Jesus' name, amen. Now, one of the things we frequently see in the news are about wildfires in California. Uh, Check out some of these stats. Uh, There are approximately 7,000 wildfires each year in California. Uh, They burn 1.2 million acres. Rhode Island is only 750,000 acres. Uh, They cost about... 1.2 1.2 billion to fight and cause, on average, about 3 billion in damages. And there's even a website where you can go to to find out, hey, here's where all the active fires are right now. And I read a little bit about how they investigate these fires. And the first thing they want to do is determine, hey, what is the fire's origin? Like, how did it start? 
And so they'll study satellite images. They'll pay attention to patterns like which way is the grass lying down? Because apparently the grass lies down, always pointing towards where the fire started. And once they identify the origin, they try to figure out, hey, what caused it? 85% of wildfires are caused by human influence. 85%. A campfire left unattended, someone throws out a cigarette, the burning debris, or arson. There's a guy here, I'm going to see if I remember. Anybody remember this guy is? Smokey the Bear. Remember, only you can prevent forest fires. Smokey the Bear came out in 1944. So you always learn some fun stuff in here, right? But you know who was the first animal to talk about forest fires? Bambi, right? Check this out. Please, mister, don't be careless. Prevent forest fires. Greater danger than ever. And see, what the forest said, hey, we got to find an animal we can't use Bambi because Disney is going to make want money from us because they always want money. And we're going to use a bear. See, now you know something, right? Good. Uh, anyhow, that was free. It was a good thing, right? You wouldn't have paid for it to begin with. Uh, where did it begin and what caused it? And they want to know because there's always so much devastation. Thousands and thousands of acres burned, homes destroyed, sometimes even lives lost. And that's the word picture the Bible uses to help you and I understand the power of our words. It's this image of, of a word being released carelessly, maybe even unintentionally. But nevertheless, a word is spoken that creates a spark, and that spark turns into a fire that creates a lot of devastation. And we see in James chapter 3, which we just read, several metaphors that illustrate the truth that even though the tongue is small, it has a lot of power. He says it's like the bit in the mouth of a horse. He says that that bit, you know, a, a, a full-grown adult horse can weigh anywhere from 900 to 1,200 pounds. And that, that, that bit right there, that small bit controls where he goes. He says it's, the tongue is small like the rudder on a ship. And here is USS Jarrett Ford, CVN 78. C means carrier. N means nuclear power. The V, no one knows what it means. They just make stuff up. I looked it up. They, no one knows what that means. And, and here, here, here's a model of the enterprise, you know, and, and see the rudders? Like, what's bigger? And these small rudders determine where the ship goes. And the point that James is making is that your tongue and mine, that the words that you speak in so many ways, just like those rudders, determine the direction of your life. Now, you may not see it, you may not understand it, but you may not realize the significance, but James says, this is what's going to determine the direction of your life. Uh, question, so where has your tongue, where have your words directed you lately? Uh, to a good place? Or to a not so good place? Uh, understand, the words that you speak have the power of death and life. That's exactly what the Bible says. In Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay, my line's going to be death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your line is the rest, okay? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Amen. And, and Throughout this message, when I say death and life with the power of tongue, remember your line. Don't forget your line. Write it down if you need to. Put it in your phone. And the fruit you eat will either be good fruit or nasty fruit. Yes, the tongue is like a bit in the mouth of a horse, the rudder of a ship, or a spark that turns into a raging fire. Yes, words determine the direction of people and of nations and have caused and create untold destruction and devastation. In fact, if you trace this idea through history, you'll find that uh, a lot of the pain and destruction of war began with words. Someone made a speech and used some careless words, or there were some prideful words, or malicious words, or hateful words, or threatening words, slanderous words, and it escalated and it turned into a destructive war. But yet it all began with words. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. 
And listen, words are typically what will destroy a relationship. Have you ever seen a relationship on fire? I mean, everything is scorched. And it's just a burned out, charred mess. And listen, if you trace, it, if you trace that fire back to its origin, if you look at the fire pattern, you'll, you see, more than often it had to do with words. Now, maybe it was words that should have been spoken but never were. Words like, I love you, I forgive you, I- I'm sorry, I want to make this work, I'm not going anywhere, I appreciate you. Or maybe it was words that should not have been spoken, complaining words, critical words, controlling words, or cruel words. The bottom line is, some words were spoken that created a spark And that spark spread, and eventually it destroyed the relationship. Understand, it almost always goes back to words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. (laughs) That's funny. And those who love will eat his fruit. Okay, rewind the tape. That didn't happen. Okay. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Yeah, awesome. Get it? Good. Hey, our text this morning, again, is Matthew 12, 33 through 37. In these five verses, Jesus lays out four reasons why our words, your words, my words, really matter a lot. Here's what he writes. Matthew 12, 33 through 37. And after I read this, I'm going to say something. You may have done this before somewhere. I know we've done it at Christ and Youth Conferences before. I'm going to read these words, and I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and your response will be, thanks be to God. Okay, let's try that out. This is the word of the Lord. Good job. Here's what Jesus says. Make a tree good, and this fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and this fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Let that sit in a bit. For by your words you will be acquitted. And by your words you will be condemned. This is the word of the Lord. Now, before we begin our deep dive into these five verses, a few quick reminders, and then a take two to get your blood flowing. Reminder number one. Um, After service in the living room, that glass room over there, we're having an informational meeting about the parsonage sale that we're voting on in two weeks. During the last week, uh, we're going to be selling, you'll be voting on whether to sell the parsonage to Hannah or not, okay? And that's all I'm going to say. That's why I have an information meeting. And if, you're, if you have kids in rising sixth graders and up, we'll have a meeting next week so you can still go to that forced family fund. Um, my wife is Italian, and she makes some mean pasta, and she's cooking pasta, and, and her sauce is incredible. And so, again, it's just time to hang out, see other parents who have teenagers and we're like, oh my gosh, we got teenagers, all right? So, uh, also, another announcement. A reminder, on March the 2nd, from 9 to 11 a.m., we're having our second gathering of rediscovering discipleship, making Jesus' final words our first work. If you attended the first gathering, you know, I want you to come. Even if you missed it, and you're like, hey, I, I want to be a part of this, well, let me know, and I will send you the links to the videos you must watch, and I'll give you a binder of the notes you must take in order to come. So we're all on the same page. And I got a binder right up here for anybody who wants it before they leave today. Here's a binder. Watch the videos because we want to become a church of disciples who make disciples. Amen? Amen. Uh, one final announcement. Um, today at 3.30, uh, we missed the last two months. That's on me because I, 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 holidays and everything else, but prayer is important. 3.30 today, we're going to meet in this room, and we're just going to pray. If you're going to stay for 30 minutes, stay for 30 minutes. Prayer matters. 
Prayer makes a difference. It matters when men pray. And if you can be here today, if you got stuff going on, that's fine. But if you're doing nothing, you should be here in this room praying. Amen? All right, I got three of you say amen. Awesome, great. Hey, let's take two. Welcome those around you. Tell them to pay attention. Tell them to say amen, stuff like that. <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. And, and let me uh, briefly set up the context uh, for this passage because as we like to say at Maple Grove, context is what? It's king, right? And, and to understand Matthew we really need to understand the context of the entire gospel, all right? So in Matthew chapters 1 through 9, Matthew's primary purpose is to tell us this is who Jesus is, Son of God, Son of Abraham, God the Son. This is what Jesus did, and this is what Jesus said about the kingdom. And then in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew introduces us to the 12, to this 12 little guys who will join him in the mission of the kingdom, and then in Matthew chapters 11 through 12, Matthew chronicles for us the rejection of Christ. And really it's the fulfillment of John 1 verse 11. He came unto his own and his own received him not. And as we move through these two chapters, we have seen the hostility towards Jesus grow from a small spark to a raging wildfire. First there was doubt. Then there was criticism. Then there was indifference. And then there was open rejection. Then they started plotting to kill Jesus. And finally, we have the religious leaders claiming that Jesus was, was performing miracles through the power of Satan. And last week we began unpacking Jesus' response to that accusation when they said, hey, you're doing this through the power of Satan. Jesus says, hey, you know what? You're being illogical. You're being hypocritical. The kingdom has come upon you. I'm stronger than Satan. I can bind him up and plunder his house. And there's no, there's zero neutral ground with me. You're either for me or you are against me. See, a very uncomfortable truth is that people are either a child of God or they're an enemy of God. That's it. Either you're a child of God or you're an enemy of God. And Jesus wants everyone to be his child. And our text this morning is a continuation of that response to that accusation. Hey, you're using Satan's power to do your miracles. And here's how I want to attack our text this morning. First, I want us to look at what Jesus said about their words, the religious leaders. He says that their words identify who they are, verse 33. He says that their words reveal their heart, verse 34. He says that their words expose what they really treasure, verse 35. And he says that their words one day will face a reckoning, verses 36 through 37. And, and, and then what I want to do, I, I, want, I want to take the principles that he lays out talking to these religious leaders and apply them to our words. Because as with the religious leaders, listen, our words identify who we are. The words that we speak reveal our heart. The words that we speak expose what we really treasure and the words that we speak will one day face a reckoning before God in judgment. Their words identified who they were. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Uh, that word used there for good means handsome, beautiful, excellent, surpassing, precious, commendable, admirable. Uh, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. The word used there for bad describes something that is rotten, putrefying, corrupt, disgusting, perishing, rank, foul, putrid, worthless. In secular writing, it was used to describe rotten fish or rotten grapes laying on the ground. The basic meaning relates to the process of decay. Something that is unfit, that's bad, that's corrupt, and defiling. Uh, make a tree good, excellent, Precious, admirable, beautiful, and his fruit will be good. Uh, make a tree bad, rotten, corrupt, rank, foul, decaying, corrupt, and his fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized, someone say, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. Amen. <laughs> now, I want to see how good you are at identifying trees with a few pictures. I'm going to show you a picture. You tell me what kind of tree this is. Anybody know? 
It's an apple tree. How about this tree? It's a peach tree. How about this tree? Cherry. Cherry. All right. It gets a little tougher. What's that? How about this? Next. Next. You guys are so good. Wow. Incredible. Next. A mighty tree, right? Now, when I was growing up, we didn't have one of these. In fact, my dad, my dad didn't even think they existed. Because whenever I asked him to buy me something, he would say, Stephen, do you think money grows on trees? And I kept looking for that tree, never found it. It's kind of, it's one of the dumb things dads say, right? You know, like, do I look stupid to you? <laughs> well, actually, dad, you kind of do, right? You know, were you born in a barn? All those things, right? And, and so uh, I never found that tree. I hope it's there somewhere someday. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Again, how do you tell a good tree from a bad tree? By its fruit. Amen? Understand, when these religious leaders said that Jesus got his power from the evil one, they were saying that Jesus was a bad tree. Listen, you cannot get more bad than being in partnership with Satan. Yes, Jesus, you are a bad tree. Jesus, you're not a good tree. Jesus, you are an evil tree. Question, but what was the fruit of Jesus' life? Healing the sick, cleansing the leper, opening blind eyes, raising the dead, feeding the hungry, freeing the captive, loving the unlovely, releasing the oppressed, eating with the outcasts, giving hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless, having compassion for the shepherdless, and inviting all into his kingdom. Again, Jesus is saying, hey, look at my fruit. Look at the things that I'm doing. If my fruit is good, and you know that it is, then I'm a good tree, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. On the other hand, what was the fruit of the religious leaders? Self-exaltation, self-justification, self-righteousness, pride, hatred, envy, hostility, murderous plots, uh, putting uncarryable, uncarryable, it's not a word, but I wanted it to be one, uncarryable burdens on people with the rules and regulations and not lifting one finger to help them, getting head spinning around angry and upset whenever Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath rather than rejoicing that someone was restored. Their fruit identified who they were. They were a bad tree for a tree is recognized by its fruit. Uh, this week I came across a story about Charles Spurgeon. He, he was a preacher in, in England in the late 1800s. And it said that when someone came, like, to join his church, say, hey, I'm a Christian, I want to join your church, they go, okay, cool. Where do your friends live? Where's your home? Where do you work? And they would go to that home, go to where they work, and their friends would say, hey, would you tell me the fruit of this person's life? Do they demonstrate that they're a Christian by their fruit? And we decided that's a great way for people to join our church. <laughs> right? But... Yeah. Their fruits identified who they were. Their fruit and words also revealed their heart. Jesus continues, you brood of vipers. By the way, that's not a term of endearment. We see this in Matthew chapter 3. The Sadducees and Pharisees come out to where John the Baptist is baptizing people, and they want to see, hey, what's going on? He says to them, you brood of vipers. Who warns you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, the word brood is, we don't use that very much. I mean, this morning, I brewed some coffee here, but that's not the, that's not the kind of brood. It, it means to give birth, that which is the born or produced, like a son of. Vipers, you know, a poisonous snake, often a metaphor for who? For Satan. Genesis 3.15, we read this in the garden. The Lord said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. I understand, since Genesis, there's been a war going on between Satan's offspring and God's offspring. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And I love how Jesus turns the tables on these guys. They're saying, hey, Jesus, you're doing this through the power of Satan. He says, guess what? You're a son of Satan. You're, you're one of his children. 
don't talk to me that way. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus said, hey, the reason your words are so evil is because your heart is so evil. See, their mouths were only speaking was in their heart. What their heart was full of. And what was in their hearts? What were their hearts full of? Evil thoughts, evil ambitions, pride, self-righteousness, self-centeredness, self-exaltation. Yes, that is the evil their hearts were full of. And listen, when they saw the things that Jesus was doing and heard the things that Jesus was saying, what was inside of them just spewed out all over the place because that's where it was. I got a question for you here. Why, why did the water come out of the jar? Lid wasn't on. Because the water was in the jar. Right? It, was, it was in there. See, they shook Jesus. Jesus shook their jar. But the reason evil came out is because that was inside of them, right? The words identified who they were, bad trees, revealed their hearts as full of evil and exposed what they treasured. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. Uh, that word stored up is the Greek word thesaurus, where we get our English word, what? Thesaurus, right? It refers to a place where, you, like a treasure chest, where you keep precious things that are valuable. You know, like this, right? It's using, it's using Matthew chapter 3 of the wise men who brought a treasure. It's using Matthew 6 where Jesus says, hey, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. We'll see in a few weeks where in Matthew chapter 13, he says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field. Question, what did Jesus treasure? His relation with the Father? The Father's will, the Father's way, the Father's glory. Bringing lost and broken people to the Father. Having compassion for hurting and troubled people. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. <clears throat> Question, what did the religious leader treasure? Like, what were the things that were most important to them? Their power and position, the praise, admiration, respect, and reverence of the people, their ways over God's ways, uh, being so much better and far superior than those other people. I thank God that I'm not like these sinners and tax collectors. I fast twice a week and I tithe my income. And listen, you could see what they treasure by what they did and how they lived out their lives. Sinners, get away from me. I cannot have you messing up my holiness. God, get out of my way. Don't mess with what I treasure or else. I mean, what they treasure, what they treasured make them want to kill God. Understand, Jesus was a threat, a very clear and present danger to all they treasured. So they spoke evil of him, about him, and to him. Jesus, you're a threat to what we treasure, so you must be destroyed, abolished, and killed. The words identified who they were. It revealed their heart, exposed what they treasured. And their words will face a reckoning one day. But I tell you, everyone... We'll have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty, that word means ineffective, barren, worthless, not accomplishing anything. But I tell you that everyone, and if you're wondering, we're part of that everyone, 
We have to give an account of their judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your thoughts you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Understand, these very same religious leaders will stand before God at the day of judgment and give an account of their empty words. Of the words they've spoken. And in context, the empty words they have spoken about Jesus that came from an evil heart that treasured the wrong things and therefore they were condemned. The words identified who they were, revealed their hearts, exposed what they treasure and one day will face a reckoning of judgment. Again, the context is Jesus speaking to these guys specifically because they accused them of casting out demons through the power of Satan. However, the principles apply to us as well. In fact, much of what Jesus said to them was part of what he said in the Sermon on the Mount. Check out these words recorded by Luke. Luke has a more condensed version of the Sermon on the Mount in Luke chapter 6. So what Jesus, Jesus said it in Luke 6, he applied it to the Pharisees in Matthew 12. No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Maple Grove, our words identify who we are. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Question what do your words say about who you really are? And what is the fruit that should be in our lives as a Jesus follower? Well, one obvious fruit would be the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, that's what should be coming out of our heart, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Question. If all someone did was look at the fruit in your life, look at the words they hear you speak, the things they see you post, people get ugly in posting, don't they? Commenting, like you never even met that person, and now you're ready to say all things like you know them. And we, we, get, we get so brave behind that little keyboard, don't we? And nasty and ugly. Well, I'm not saying them, I'm just typing in them. Okay. Sometimes I think you are what you post. You are how you comment nastily on someone's post or some news article. Amen? It's true. But what they say, hey, they say hey, hey, this is the kind of tree she is because look at the fruit. Look at his fruit. Look at her fruit. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Next, our words reveal our heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Or some of your versions may read, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Good question. When, when, when life and situations shake your jar, what comes out? And I'm reasonably sure that all of us probably sometime in the past week or so had our jar shaking by something or someone. What came out? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, selfishness, self-control. I don't know what selfishness, whatever that was. Don't let it come out of your jar. Not if you can't spell it. Or... or what came out was hatred, and anger, and bitterness. Get ready. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. <laughs> Say it louder. That's why you're a teacher, George. <laughs> Amen. Good job. 
And I know you had those moments I have where you say something to someone and then you find yourself wondering, maybe saying it loud or at least thinking, where did that come from? Uh, like someone pulls out in front of you in traffic and you unload. Then a minute later, like, wow, where did that come from? Or you lose your temper with a coworker or one of your kids or a friend or your spouse and you speak sarcastically or harshly or cruelly and you're like, I, I don't know where that came from. And Jesus raises his hand and says, I do. I do. I know where it came from. That nastiness, that harshness, that cruelty, that anger, that bitterness. I know where it came from. It came from your heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus is like, yeah, that's where those words come from. They come from the overflow of your heart. No, it's not as random as you might think. It's not as intentional as it seems. Yes, those words, that tone, those words, that tone. And tone's a big deal, isn't it? <laughs> tone will get you in trouble. It comes from your heart. And have you noticed how we make excuses for the ugliness that comes out of our mouth? I was just venting. I'm really tired. They really hurt me. I just, just want to be authentic. You know, tell it like it is. Do you, you think she's say, oh, I didn't know you were just venting. I didn't know they hurt you. I didn't know you were tired. I didn't know you just want to be real. Just forget about all that stuff I said about speech. No, he's not going to say that. <laughs> he's not going to say that. Because it's in your heart. Oh, I'm just venting. I'm just tired. No, it's what's in your heart. If it wasn't in you, it wouldn't come out of you. If it wasn't in me, it wouldn't come out of me. Word problems reveal a heart problem. Word problems reveal a heart problem. Amen? Amen. Next, our words expose what we treasure. Question, what does the fruit of your life say that you're treasuring most? It could be a lot of different things, right? What are you treasuring most? I better move this or it's going to fall. Some people are treasuring, hey, I want to be respected and admired. That's what's most important to me. Some treasure possessions. Some treasure success. Some are treasuring social acceptance. Some are treasuring a relationship. Some are just treasuring themselves. Hey, the most important thing to me, what I treasure most is myself. I mean, what is it that if you lost it, you think, man, if I lose that, my life would be over. It would crumble. Understand, when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, it's an idol. When a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, that thing has become an idol. You heard of the phrase, follow the money? Follow the fruit. Follow the fruit. What do you give your time, your thoughts, your energy, your strength, your mind, your soul, your love, your resources to? That's what you really treasure. Follow the fruit. We are driven by what we most delight in. By what we treasure. Our words will face a reckoning. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For your words will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Do those verses make you a little uncomfortable? You know what's crazy? As ter- it, it, it's crazy how terrifying those words are. And yet how casual we are with our speech. And and listen, I'll tell you what this is not saying. It's not saying that we're saved by our words or saved by our fruits. That would undermine the gospel and the entire New Testament because we're saved by grace through faith so no one can boast. Amen? Here's what I think is going on. For, for the unbeliever, like the Pharisees, what they say about Jesus, what they believe about Jesus in their heart will condemn them on the day of judgment. 
And for the Jesus follower, it's not a judgment unto condemnation. It's a judgment that affects our rewards in heaven. But we'll still give an account. We'll lose some rewards when we're careless with our words. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up somewhat, wrap it up. I like Paul. Paul says finally he has three chapters left. But listen, your tongue's a problem, my tongue's a problem, so listen up, church and Steve. I want to talk briefly about how to make a tree good. Well, you know, like in, I've, I've, I've never planted a tree, I've seen a tree, I've climbed a tree. I picked apples off a tree. But imagine you plant it, you fertilize it, you water it, you take care of it, you prepare the soil. There's things you can do. Interestingly, and, and reading a lot of commentaries and stuff, people struggle with this word make. Because it, it, it's, it's a word that means to do, to cause, to make, to bring, to produce. Like John the Baptist was told to make straight paths for him. Jesus said the wise man acts on what he says, right? Same word. So how do you make a tree good? Here's how you make a tree good. First, surrender to Jesus. <laughs> Amen? First, move from an unbeliever to a believer through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. Next, stop making excuses and repent. I'm just tired. You make me so mad. I've had a hard life. A lot of people have. You're not just venting, you're sinning. You're not just venting, you're sinning. I'm not just venting, I'm sinning. Here's one that's not going to show on your slides because I wrote it in my notes this morning. Do a word inventory at the end of each day. Who did I encourage today? Who did I build up today? How did I use my words today to speak life into somebody? And how did I use my words today to discourage somebody, to tear somebody down, to beat somebody up, to pour life into that, pour death into that person? I mean, just go through your conversations at work, at home, with your friends, and see, hey, See what your heart is producing. Next, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Understand what the heart dwells on and feeds on is what the heart is full of. What the heart dwells on and feeds on is what the heart is full of. So, so what are you feeding your mind? What are you feeding your heart? Like what do you read? What do you watch? What do you listen to? What do you scroll through on your phone for several hours every day? Jesus is like, hey, Jesus is like, hey, you're, you're putting this stuff in your heart and your mind, and then you're surprised when it comes out in your life? I mean, you're planting these seeds, and then you're shocked when that's the fruit that you bear. Jesus said, you don't think it matters? It matters what you put in your heart. Because there's a come out in your mouth so what are you feeding your heart and mind what are you allowing in that should not be in there and many of you are thinking hey I can watch what I want to watch I can listen to what I want to listen I can put whatever I want in my heart and mind and it's not going to matter it's not going to make any difference it's not going to affect me it's just entertainment you said nope that's not how it works Garbage in, garbage out. What you put in your heart is going to come out in your life. Now, some of us, it's not what we put in. It's kind of what someone else put into our heart. I mean, you didn't choose it, but somebody spoke words in your heart, and they planted some seeds. To discourage you that devalued you and depressed you. But now that seed is growing fruit that's coming out even in your own. 
need to guard your heart. See, the root of the problem, see, sometimes I just got to stop talking that way. That's not going to work. It's not behavior modification. It's heart transformation through the spirit and love of God. Amen? It's changing our heart. Your tongue's not really the problem. It's your heart that's the problem. And here's a couple verses that I want to encourage you to memorize. And you already memorized half a verse, kind of, right? So we're good. And, 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 And say, hey, I want this to filter for what comes in my heart and what actually comes out of me. Here's the first one. It's Psalm 1914. Wouldn't this be great to pray throughout the day? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Wouldn't it be great? You're like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't say that to him. Maybe I shouldn't respond that way. Because I don't think that's going to be pleasing in your sight, Lord. By the way, you're always in his sight, right? But pray that. May the words of my mouth, let's say that together on three. One, two, three. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. One more time. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. And then you've heard this one many times. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely. Is that what came out of your mouth this week? What is admirable when your spouse shook your jar? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, speak such things. Next, before you speak, think. What a concept, right? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only was helpful for building others up according to, according to their needs. Like when we vent on someone, we unload on someone, that's about us. That's meeting our need. You tick me off, you hurt me, and I want you to know it. I want you to feel some pain because you caused pain to me, right? You're thinking about yourself. That it may benefit those who listen. I'm sure you heard, you've seen this acronym before, or cross stick, whatever. Before you speak, say, hey, hey what I'm about to say, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? You're worthless. No one would ever like you. You can't do anything. I don't think that's very inspiring. Is it necessary? And is it kind? And I'll tell you what, if it meets these criteria, speak it, speak it a lot, speak it often, and speak it loudly. Amen? Get ready. George is ready. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. (laughs) All right. We're about done. You guys are amazing. Treasure Jesus above all. Understand, we were created and designed to treasure Jesus above all else. Amen? I mean, what is the first commandment? To love God with part of your heart? No, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Listen, it's hard to do, right? Because the world is pop, a bunch of stuff. Treasure this, right? All these things the world wants you to treasure, right? It's hard. We got to work at it. But the very best thing you and I could ever do that will radically change our lives is to treasure Jesus above all else. And then when people and circumstances shake our jar, we're like, hey, I. I don't treasure myself. I don't treasure my ways. I don't treasure those possessions. I don't treasure those circumstances. I treasure Jesus above all. So it doesn't bother me that it's being shaken right now. And when he's our treasure, we can say these words, this prayer, this acknowledgement, like the psalmist in Psalm 73. Whom have I? Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Whom 
have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. Man, could you imagine being able to say that? Nothing. There's nothing I desire, God, more than you, than knowing you and loving you and being with you and serving you and reflecting you. <coughs> my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Let's strive to make our tree good. Let's guard our hearts. Let's do a word inventory. Let's stop making excuses why we do what we do. Let's think before we speak. And let's strive to treasure Jesus more than anything else. And if you're here today and you haven't done the first step to get your heart and tree good, I encourage you to surrender to Jesus. To repent of living life for yourself, to confess him as Lord, and to be buried with him in baptism. If you not make that decision, I encourage you to make that. If you'd like to talk to me about that, I'm available 24-7 because nothing is more exciting to see people surrender to Jesus. But look, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We have the ability. Let's go out this week and pour life into our marriage, life into our home, life into our friendships, life where we work with the words that we speak. Amen? Amen. Would you stand and pray with me as we prepare for communion? If you're visiting, we have communion off at the various stations. You just grab it, and we come back, and we take it together for the song. But this is a time for you and God to really connect and, and kind of... Ask the Holy Spirit what, what he's saying to you right now and how he wants you to apply what we talked about. Father God, we love you. And God, thank you for your patience with us. God, help us, Lord, to be mindful and careful about the words that we speak. May we speak life this week, God. Help us to guard our hearts this week. Your word says, above all else, to guard our hearts, for everything flows, Lord. May the stuff that flows be good and pleasing to you. May the words of our heart and meditations, words of our mouth and meditations of our heart be pleasing to you, God. And God, as we prepare for communion, God, God, we just sing the song. We're thankful for Jesus. Amen.